Well, I'm going to uh, invite you to come on back in and take your seats as we continue uh, with our uh, morning together. One of the interesting things to me, one of the really exciting things to me about uh, the community here at Jericho Ridge is that uh, all throughout the life of Jericho, there are people who are actively working to listen to God and to act in obedience to what he says to them. And whether it's Peter and working in Tanzania uh, with persons with albinism, whether it's people that are involved in uh, feeding kids who are hungry at breakfast programs before they come to school, whether it's people who are doing coffee garage in their neighborhoods on Friday night and creating a place of welcome and hospitality to get to know people around them and to get to know the names of their neighbors, people at Jericho Ridge are taking up uh, the challenge of engaging in what God is doing in our world. And if you've been a part of Jericho Ridge uh, for any season of time, you might have come and gotten to know Daryl and Jody Beckert. Daryl leads our front lines teams, all of the greeters and hospitality uh, teams that uh, create an environment for you when you come in on a Sunday morning of welcome. Uh, Jody is on our uh, elders team. And Daryl and Jody have been sensing God's call on their lives to step out in faith on a new adventure. And they've talked to us a little bit about this uh, over the last number of months as this has grown and grown and grown in their hearts. And so this morning, uh, we wanted to make sure that they had opportunity to communicate some of that to you and for then you as a community to respond to them in concrete ways. And so uh, in just a minute, Daryl's going to come and uh, speak. He's going to look at our passage in James uh, chapter 4 as we've been moving through this fall and through the series uh, in the book of James and how their lives have found themselves wrapped up in the call of God in that text and uh, have, have begun movement towards Mexico. But we want to also give you a visual picture of what it is that they'll be engaged with while they're in Mexico. And so we're going to run this video and then I'm going to pray for Daryl, and he's going to come and speak to us this morning. The images that you are about to see may be of some alarm to you, especially when you see the stark contrast of life in the severely marginalized, oppressed living areas of the resort of the city of Mazatlan, Mexico, in the very shadow of the cruise ships that bring thousands of tourists weekly to the city and other ports along the Mexican Riviera. And juxtaposed beneath the very billboards of five-star resort hotels, pandering to the opulence of wealthy travelers are some of the worst slums south of the U.S. border. The images are very emotional, and I hope that you will clearly hear God's loud voice speaking directly to your heart and your conscience as you observe the plight of these families who anxiously search, often in vain, for anything of value of some discarded trash item that might provide a meager few coins to help them survive. Several times each week, the Vineyard Church of Mazatlan intervenes in this chaos. 
bringing food, water, a handshake, a hug, and encouraging words to these eager recipients. Hi, we are Daryl, Jody, Emily, and Ben Beckert. What you just watched was a small slice of the need of this people group and the ministry opportunities that the Vineyard Church of Mazatlan, Mexico have been called to. This past January, we spent two weeks getting to know the city of Mazatlan. In this short time, we not only developed a love for the people and their culture, but we also felt like we could see ourselves playing a role in this community. There's no better time than now to respond to God's tug on our hearts. And in our case, it is for the people of Mazatlan. This November, we will be leaving our life in Langley to spend six months working alongside the people of the Vineyard Church of Mazatlan, Mexico. What exactly will we be doing? All we know is that we have been called to go and that we need to remain open to what God has planned for us there. But we can't do this without you. Here are just a few of the requests that we have. Please pray that God will reveal to us how to spend our time and how to balance serving, homeschooling, and downtime to reflect. Please pray for all four of us to adjust into this culture, language, and community. Please pray for God to reveal how you can be involved. This can be through direct giving to the ministry of the Vineyard Church, by following along with our updates and remembering us in prayer, or by taking some of your family holiday time to join and serve alongside us. So God, <clears throat> I thank you for uh, Daryl, for Jody, for their family. I thank you for the call that you have placed on their hearts to serve. And Jesus, I pray now that as uh, Daryl shares their journey and their process and their thoughts and their fears and their dreams and their hopes, I pray, God, you'd uh, whisper to each of us by your spirit. I pray that you would uh, call us to places of challenge, Father, and obedience and response, uh, not to Daryl and Jody, not to images of need, but to you, Father, that we would respond to the things that you have placed in front of us as a community to do. And so, Jesus, we open our hearts, we open our ears to you, and we pray uh, that as they share their story, that we would hear you speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. All right. Are we, we're good? Okay. All right. Um, it's been an interesting journey to get to this point, uh, to be up here sharing and being eight days from hopping on a plane. Um, what I want to spend a few minutes talking about is how, you know, a typical Canadian family with type A tendencies um, goes from <laughs> goes from, you know, living the the Canadian lifestyle to something that's a bit uh, out of the ordinary. Um, as Brad mentioned, we're, we're, um, we're reading through uh, James, and the, the, the part of James that I'm um, speaking on and, and relates to us um, is uh, James chapter 4, starting at verse 13. So go ahead and join me, open your Bibles or your smartphone apps, and oh, we're going to read that. So I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Look here. 
you who say, today or tomorrow, we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Um, so I'm probably going to share a little differently than a typical sermon, um, basically just going through verse by verse and how, how it kind of plays with our story. Um, starting with verse, verse 13 that talks about, um, you know, the speaking with certainty about um, where you're going to go and what you're going to do. And I kind of hinted about the, uh, the type A type thing. Um, as those that have known us for a while, Jody and I were planners, and I think our plans had plans and a couple of checklists in there as well. Um, and, you know, you're trying to execute the, our vision of our dream. Um, and, you know, things were kind of cruising along. We bought a house. Uh, we welcomed our firstborn into the world, and, and things were great. Um, settled in here at Jericho. Um, and we had a kind of a nice, really comfortable life, and we had you know, kind of the plans to have the kids and the whole thing. Um, but uh, things weren't going to go that way. Um, and, you know, uh, picking up here in vor verse 14, we had a very real sense of what this means. Um, verse 14 says, How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like a morning fog. It's here a little while, and then it's gone. Um, 2006, we had a slightly early arrival of our second child. Um, still not really aware of what was, what was coming down for us. Um, it took about a week into our son Sam's uh, young life to learn that he was born with a very rare genetic disorder called trisomy 13. Um, basically giving him a pretty bleak, uh, sorry, bleak prognosis. Um, the, the delivery of that was incredibly devastating. Um, and, and the reality of the fact that we don't know what tomorrow holds for us um, kind of crashed into us. It was um, probably the darkest moment, I would say, that we've been through. Um, ultimately, we spent 16 days with Sam. Uh, and I can't, I can't look at fog <laughs> Or, or read a verse that talks about, about the, um, the shortness of that without thinking about, you know, here is his little life. Um, we're supposed to be born and grow old and, and you know, pass away when the, when the time is right. But um, his time was 16 days. Um, so that marked a very significant point in our journey because it, we went into a, what we call the AS or after Sam, after Sam time period. Um, you can joke about that we lived in a BS period before that, but um, <laughs> yet in the chaos of that, God was there and he was with us. Uh, I remember an incident in the, in the uh, hospital where I've never, and never since actually been spoken to so clearly. Um, so we were given just amazing sense of peace and purpose that the, that this happened for a reason. Um, it just, you know, it took a long time to figure out what that reason was. 
And I would still say that we're, we'll be rediscovering what that is as life goes on. Um, there's an inter interesting quote that uh, was said by the late Steve Jobs that is actually, I find, quite relevant. Uh, he was addressing the Stanford uh, graduating class one year, and he said, remembering that I'll be dead soon is the most important tool I've encountered to me to make the big choices in life. Because almost everything, all external expectations, all pride, all fear of embarrassment or failure, these things just fall away in the face of death, leaving only what is truly important. The big question is, what is important? Um, I'm going to pick up in verse 15. Verse 15 says, what you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Um, as you can kind of sense in the, the brief little video intro, um, that is kind of the posture that we're taking with our life right now. Um, we know that we're called to Mexico. We don't totally know what we're doing. We know who we're going to work alongside, but um, I can give you probably more I don't know than I, than I can give you any absolutes. Um, how we got there was pretty rough, for me in particular. Um, I might have looked okay, you know, in the years following uh, Sam's passing, but there was a, really a battle going on inside. Um, and it was kind of coming at the expense of my sanity. I was, uh, I would say in normal life, you, you have an idea that, you know, things could be bad, you know, like, like crazy or something like that is over here. But I woke up one day kind of teetering on the edge of, of slipping into what looked like an abyss. And it wasn't until I had some wise counsel from some friends that, that allowed me to understand what was going on. Um, there's, there was the tension of my life and what my plans were. And, you know, that, that kept me at a job that was very unhealthy for me because I felt that I needed the money and I needed security and the whole time buying into the fact that I really didn't have any value. And on the other side of that, like an elastic was knowing at some level that God had a plan for me. And the more tension that I created trying to hold over here, um, that tension was, was, uh, was going in and, and robbing me of sanity. And so I got to a point that I realized that I had to make a choice, that, that keeping that up um, would, would definitely have shortened my life. Um, you know, as you, I think I had one moment driving in, driving into work one day, wondering what would happen if I had, you know, veered off or something like that. And that wasn't sustainable. Um, you know, I grew up in the church, I said that I believe and trusted in Jesus and that, and that, you know, that was what my life was about, but my actions were saying something different. I, I wasn't trusting. And, and so we, we, got to, we got to a point where we had to make this, this massive step of we're either going to stick here or we're going to fully leap over. Um, What's interesting to me, especially being a photographer and being somewhat visually oriented, is, is at moments what kind of pictures I get um, and how God chooses to speak to me. And there's a, there's a video clip that, um, that came to mind, um, probably a little bit dramatic, but um, that, that literally was going through my head when I was making the decision that, it was, that we had to make a choice. So if you go ahead and run that now for me.
him leap from the lion's head. Indiana Jones. <laughs> like I said, a tad, a tad dramatic, but um, there's oftentimes that, 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 that leap of faith, um, like I'd actually have that picture when it was, we'd have to make a choice. Um, and I, w- I would visualize that. Um, so the, the, the big choice that we, well, leading up to the big choice was a series of small choices. Um, one was that, that, um, where I had got to, I had believed a lot of things about myself that weren't true, and that I needed to, I needed to trust more in God, um, that if he created me, he created me for a reason. Um, and, and from, and, and, and past that, you know, once I started making small decisions, we got to the point of, of feeling called that I had to leave my job um, without knowing where we were going, without knowing how we were actually going to pay the mortgage or anything like that. And, and that, was that, that was that moment, standing there on the cliff and just knowing, like, okay, you've got this. Um, and the, the, the part of that, past, you know, past him landing, that's the most interesting to me is this shift. The camera pans around about 45 degrees, and you can see this ledge that he's walking on that from his perspective he can't see. Um, and it's that slight shift in perspective that's made the difference for us um, in, in, in how we've made choices since then. Um, moving on to verse 16. Verse 16 says, um, otherwise you're boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. So what's interesting to me is that, um, is that, uh, sorry, I lost myself that the choices that we were making, the, the motivations that we had to make the choices, uh, were coming from our own plans, our own ambitions, um, and, and therefore kind of evil, as this verse would say. And it, it led us to a certain, um, a certain place in life. Um, it led me to believe at the moment that, 
I couldn't actually rely on my own instincts because my own instincts were to pursue comfort and safety and, and that I was smart enough to be able to rationalize any decision I, was, I would make as, and even find verses that, w- that could support that. Um, so as a, as a tool, um, what we started to do was, um, was to kind of look at things of the opposite. Um, in the TV show Seinfeld, um, George Costanza had this moment where he realized that everything that he's done in his life was basically led him to a place where nothing worked. And so he just started making the opposite decision. His instinct was to go left, he'd go right. And in short succession, he's, you know, working for the Yankees and, and all these amazing things are happening to him. Um, and I mean, that's funny, um, but there's a part of that, that that for us at least was very true. That, you know, my, if my natural instinct is selfish, then if I, if I feel like I need to do that, chances are that 180 degrees away from that is what I should be doing. If I, if I truly say that I want to follow Jesus and act like him and act that out. Um, so not necessarily as a, as a tool that we followed like, um, without thinking, but that was kind of a, a way of framing um, our decision-making. The other interesting thing to me about boasting, um, you typically you think about boasting as something that you would say about yourself, right? I'm awesome at this or, or whatever. Um, but the flip of that is that things that you say that you can't do are also a form of a boast. I could never come up here and speak in front of people. And I have said that. Um, yet here I am and I'm not totally losing it. So that's good. Um, that, kind of, that kind of boasting really limits, in my case, it really limited what I, was, what I thought that I was capable of to the point where you don't really think that you have any value. Um, and it wasn't until we kind of rid myself of that that... that um, uh, that we were able to kind of see our own worth and, and, and to actually be open to, to hearing from God. Um, in his book, uh, Mark Batterson, uh, it's called Wild Goose Chase. It's about reclaiming the adventure of pursuing God. And what he, what he talks about is that, I'll read the quote here, it says, we turn our responsibilities into excuses. And, and that is when our responsibilities actually become a form of irresponsibility. Our responsibilities become a cage that keeps us from chasing the wild goose. Uh, and that's a term that the ancient Celts used to use for pursuing the Holy Spirit. Um, so the only way out is responsible irresponsibility. So leaving a job, not knowing how you're going to put food on the table the next day, uh, very responsible in terms of following God for sure, but incredibly irresponsible. Um, but that became our MO. So... Uh, when when time came to, when we really felt the call to, about Mexico, we had been there in January. Um, we came back, and within a few weeks or a month or so, we were like, we really feel like we have to go here. Um, we don't know what we're going to do. We don't know where we're going to stay. We have no idea how we're going to pay for any of this. But we feel like we need to go. That was responsible irresponsibility all the way. Um, and and kind of the Indiana Jones leap in that moment. Um, what I would, uh, what I would ask each of you is, um, you know, this was a fairly positive experience for me eventually, but is, um, is write down all the things that you don't think that you can do. The things that, the things that people have told you that you can't do or the things that, oh, I could never be generous like so-and-so. I could never, you know, work with youth like so-and-so. Um, 
you'll find it to be interesting, and it also gives you kind of an interesting, um, it gives God something interesting to talk to you about. Um, verse 17, remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. It's kind of heavy. Um, the bigger question is, what, um, how do we know what we ought to do? Um, the way the verse is written, it's, it seems to be person specific. Um, and that definitely is the case in life that what, what one, what one person is supposed to do isn't necessarily what the next person is supposed to do. Um, for us, it just started with learning to trust God to heal us. Um, learning that, um, that we had to unbelieve, um, all the things that, that kept us from doing anything special. Um, it led us to taking, you know, crazy looking steps, um, changing the way that we view money and possessions and, um, you know, even the idea we've, we moved out of our house on uh, Friday, the idea of people living in our house was like the weirdest concept and leading up to going. And now it's like, we drove past and kind of saw them in the window. It was like, okay. Um, which, which quite honestly, if you know us at all, that's absolutely amazing. Um, we've kind of learned to let go. Um, it also means learning from previous failure. Um, you know, for years, we felt the call to be part of this, the team that goes to Guatemala and, and we're too afraid and didn't. And, you know, I had lots of good, re- good sounding reasons. Um, you know, it definitely, it was, it was in a time when I was kind of recovering mentally. So that's a, seems like a good reason. You always have the, I can't get time off or money kind of thing. But um, at the end of the day, I was being irresponsibly responsible. I wasn't listening to what God was saying. I think, um, you know, it, there hasn't been, there hasn't, it's not that we haven't had setbacks or failures. Uh, we haven't run into strongholds in our life. Dealing with kind of our connection to our home um, has definitely been one that, um, that had to be put on the table before we could go. Um, right now it's people renting in it and it's for a, a certain period, but we also know that the future for us might mean not coming back. It might be going longer. It might be selling our house. And that is all had to be put on the table. Say, this isn't ours. Um, you know, this is where we are now. We don't know what's, we don't know where we're going to be when we get back. Um, you know, I think of, I think of a friend of mine, uh, his name's Nick. He works, uh, he works for this little company called Under Armour, and um, he's been called out of his job as a fairly senior uh, VP there, um, and starting next year, he's going to be cl- attempting to climb six of the world's uh, 14, 8,000-meter 8, peaks, so basically the biggest and baddest of the mountains, um, and he's going to try them, to climb them all in one climbing season, something that's never been attempted, let alone, let alone done. Um, all because him and his wife, Sandy, feel an incredible call to advocate for, um, for human trafficking. And, you know, he's, he got to a point where he built, built all of this reputation and has the climbing experience, has all the connections, and it became super clear that he had to put his life 
And Sandy had to put her husband and his safety um, behind the call to advocate for, uh, for these children that are being sold into, um, sold into all kinds of different things and trafficked. Um, so in, in that moment, I, I remember chatting with him quickly about it. He knew what he, knew what he had to do. It was really clear, and they had to take that step. Um, I think about about Peter, uh, Peter Ash, who's kind of the, the founder of uh, Under the Same Sun, as was introduced earlier. Um, and I know Peter had that same kind of moment that that when he found out about what you know what was happening in Tanzania with with these uh, people born with albinism, that he's like, you know, we have to advocate for them. Uh, the challenge is, I think, when he got there, is that. You know, I think expecting to work alongside what was there, he found out that there wasn't anyone there, and his calling was to be the, you know, to create that. Um, in that moment, correct me if I'm wrong, Peter, but you had a very clear God saying, Peter, I've give, made you really successful as a businessman, and, I've, and you were born with this condition, so you can understand these people. This is what you need to do. And and for that and that moment for Peter to, sh- to shirk away from that would have would definitely have been what this verse is talking about. Um, I think of Ben Cottrell. Um, at the age of thirteen, Ben had been on several trips to Guatemala, and uh, at the age of thirteen, he just he went to his parents and said, "I'm ready. I'm ready to go." And he went and spent the summer in Guatemala uh, without his p- parents. I think the harder part of that being a parent is releasing your child, your 13 year old to go to a country like Guatemala to serve alongside when you're not there to, you know, um, you know, that's, that's knowing what you ought to do. Um, so in our case, we know that we need to go, um, and we're going for six months at this point. We have no idea what we're doing. We will find out when we get there. We're just trusting that, that there is a purpose to it. And quite honestly, we don't know who we're going to be when we get back and what that looks like. Um, but that's for then. <laughs> um, we got enough in front of us at the moment. What does that look like for you? Um, you know, whether you're being asked to follow Jesus for the first time and take that leap, um, or you have been following him, I guarantee you that there is a step in front of you somewhere that you need to look for. Uh, in just a minute, I'm going to invite Brad uh, and Jody back up. We're going to switch into kind of more of an interactive portion. Uh, but there's one more thing that I want to talk about real quick. Um, I mean, I quickly talked about a few different people that, that I've found very inspiring um, to me. Um, but I think that there's a bit of a danger when, if you, f- if you find yourself comparing what you're doing compared to somebody else. Um, for me to look at, at like Nick, for instance, um, and just the sheer risk that he's putting himself through, I, I can't even fathom that. And the danger there is that it makes me look at what I'm doing as being nothing and not being valuable. What I would challenge is that, and I've had to challenge myself, is to change my perspective on how I view that. That I don't, I wasn't with Nick for the last 10 years and, and all the little steps that he's, he's come to to get to that point. I, haven't, I wasn't with Peter in all the steps that Peter took to get to that point where he you know, made a, a bigger step. But that was their journey. And those were their steps. And this is our step that we're taking, and you all have your own, your own step. And I think there's real, <clears throat> real value to blocking out the negative things that, that could come from that 
and instead focusing just on the joy of watching somebody else and being inspired by somebody else. So uh, Brad and Jody, you're up. And Emily, come on up, Emmy. So one of the things uh, that we want to create some space for here is for you uh, to respond to Daryl and uh, to Jody as well. And so you might have a question uh, that you could um, ask and say, how has this worked out for you guys? Or what are the things that are really perking in your minds about this? You might have a, a word of affirmation and blessing that you want uh, to speak into their lives. Maybe you want to listen to the Lord for a few minutes and, and there's a verse or a particular um, um, passage that you want to go to and, and read out for them as they get ready uh, to go. So if you do, just stick your hand up. I'll come around with the, the microphone if you've got a question or something that you want to feed back uh, to them, and we'll do that at this time. for Cool. Then we're going to pray for them and commission them as a church community in a few minutes, okay? Sorry, the <laughs> Rithel? I have a question for Emily. It's Ruth Ellen. Um, hi, Emily. I'm curious, when your dad and mom, after you guys came back um, from your trip and your dad and mom were like, oh, hey, I think we might be called as a family to go to Mazatlan for like a longer period of time, what did you and Ben think? <laughs> Just be honest, sweetie. Yeah. Was it excited or were you kind of nervous or like? <laughs> nervous and excited. Yeah. I know when you and Ben came back, I remember talking with you guys and you guys had a lot of fun and it seemed like you guys really enjoyed it and whatnot. Um, are you excited to go down for a longer period of time, too? Uh-huh. That's pretty cool. I'm really excited for you guys, and I'm really proud of you guys, too. Like, I think that's really neat. I was just curious how you guys, um, yeah, we're processing that. I'll definitely be praying for you guys as you go down. Thanks, Ruth Ellen. Um, I don't really have a question, but, you know, I just want to tell you guys that you should be so proud of your family for taking this opportunity and going to help people that are in need. And I love you guys so much, and I was so fortunate to, like, move close to you guys six months ago, and I really look up to you guys and your family, and you guys are always, like, you know, like, making me feel welcome and happy with my family close by, and I just like to thank you so much, and you're gonna be so missed. And myself and my family, we love you guys so much, so we're gonna be praying for you guys, and we're gonna be missing you guys every day. And we look forward to coming back, too. Uh, 
Um, I just wanted to say how it's really been neat to use this opportunity that you guys have um, experienced to share with our family. And we've been really open with our kids and you know, they know Emily and Ben, and as you guys have this journey's been unfolding for you, we've been sharing with them um, what what this looks like for you. And, and it's been a lot of, well, they don't really know what they're going to do. You know, they don't know, but, but they felt the Holy Spirit leading them, and they're being obedient. And so it's been really neat to kind of talk with our kids and say, like, what is he saying to you? How can we support you guys in this? And, of course, the first thing was, let's give them money. And, you know, it was just so neat to hear that come out of their heart. And um, for them to see kids that they know, their own age, you know, living out their faith in this really real way. And so that's been really neat for us to be able to be a part of what you're doing, even though we're not going, you know, we're uniting with our family and with you. So thank you for that. Pam. Well, you guys are making me get my workout this morning. <coughs> this is actually fun to watch. This is um, words that I feel God wants me to share with you, and it's just very simple. Be still and know that I am God. Thanks, Pam. Lisa. I have a question. Uh, how did you guys first hear about what was going on in Mazatlan? Like when you guys went down in January, um, were you there already on a missions trip? Were you, I, you know, I just don't really know the beginning part of the story. Oh, okay. We, um, we heard about it from my parents. And my parents had visited there in 2008. And friends of ours had said, oh, hey, when you're there, go find the yellow church on this street, you know, and just connect with them. And they came back and had gone to the dump and done a bunch of things like that. And I think at that point, they had said that to us and it kind of went in one ear and out the other. Um, in 2012, they went down again and they came back with a video and, and we used a, a snip of that video uh, in ours. And we watched that and it was like, like we felt it. I, I know I did, like boom, right, right there. And so we made plans um, to go down with them again. They, they were going down the, the following year. They said, you know, they had a con two bedroom condo, so we just flew down and stayed with them. Um, what was interesting there was that, you know, all of the, I, I'm not a traveler at all. I admire people who travel. I have like zero interest to this point. Um, having my parents down there, they'd been there since their third time. They knew what they were doing. They knew how to use the bus system, all that kind of stuff. Um, they sent somebody to the airport to get us. Every single fear or objection I could have were basically countered, right? What safer place to be exploring this with is like your own parents. Um, and so we went and, you know, fears erased. I'm, you know, like a totally different person in terms of, of travel. So that's how we heard about it. And um, I know we're kind of excited that if, if this is, if this means anything to, to you guys, I mean, uh, I'd love to do the same thing. Come down, I'll meet you at the airport and show you around. And um, it's, a, it's a really neat experience. You're like timing it, going back and hey, forth. Hey, Ben and Emmy, I want to talk to you. So when we took Jared and Sophie to Africa, do you know what we realized is that they actually could do things that we couldn't do? 
And so it was really important that we brought them and they were really excited and they also realized what they had to leave behind. And I know you guys probably know what you're leaving behind right now. But do you know that you actually, God can use you in a way that your mom and your dad, he can't use. And those little kids and all those cool rainbow looms that you make, they're going to encourage those kids in ways that only you can do because of the way God made you. And so when you feel really sad about leaving school or your friends or your neighborhood, you need to remember that God made you to do those things. And you know what, Emily? It's so okay to feel sad and to feel like you're losing all of those things. But God has such a big journey in store for you, and he's going to give you all of those things. I wanted to share an interesting story about, um, about kind of what our journey looks like. Um, in, when we came back and kind of made the decision, the first conscious thought that I had was, oh, great, I have to go up and speak about it. And so I've survived that, so I'm pretty stoked. Um, um, one of the next things that we did was we told as many people as we could, as fast as we could, so that, so that we were being held to it. Um, and then we put down money on a place, and we, f- we felt that this place found us. And, um, you know, we could start imagining, you know, it was about three or four blocks from the church, so we can walk, and we, imagining what life was going to look like, and we could see the pictures, and um, the, the property owner is just amazing, uh, amazing person to have met. And, um, and then a hurricane rolled through and hit straight into Cabo San Lucas. And if, if you saw on the map there, Cabo San Lucas is at the tip of the Baja and, and Mazatlan is directly across on the, on the mainland. And um, there's a few areas of Mazatlan that got hit pretty hard, uh, one of which was the place that we were going to stay. And, oops. oops. And initially it looked like we were going to be able to still stay there. Um, this past Tuesday we found out uh, the property owner had actually gone down there and was trying to sort that out, and she phoned and said, it's not going to happen. They're cutting the power to the building. The, home, the owner is just walking away, basically, uh, and try to sell it. So last Tuesday, we didn't have anywhere to stay. Um, but there's a reason that we were connected. We thought with, with that house, what, in reality, we were being connected with her. And... Uh, and so she has another place that she had just finished renovating and was going to sell and just said, you guys are in it. I'll sell it when, you, when you're done. Um, totally different part of town. We were back to square one. We're looking at Google Maps, trying to figure out like all of the plans that we thought that we had. They're all gone. We're going to do things differently. But we just, I think we looked at each other on the phone. And we're like, okay, this is this. You know, even what we thought we were going to do, we're not going to do. We're doing something else. So... Um, but it was a super interesting experience just in how, you know, how God's got this all figured out and we're just trying, we're just along for the ride um, and just being faithful to what, what uh, comes our way. Tammy. Hi, guys. Um, I just wanted to share with Ben and Emily Um, We just returned from Mexico, um, our family, doing um, some service projects there with some friends. And I know for our kids, what was really scary for them was not knowing the language. And I just wanted to encourage you guys that um, 
not knowing the language doesn't mean that you're not able to communicate. And um, you, God, God uses kids in amazing ways. And I'm really proud of, of all of you, but of Ben and Emily for being brave. And, um, and, and I just want you guys to know that we will pray for you while you're gone. And um, Rainbow Loom is an international language. <laughs> so you've got that covered. Um, so you get those elastics out and the smiles on those kids' faces. Emily, Ben, like, you'll, you guys can do this. Brian. Good thing you run, Brad. Um, I just wanted to uh, comment on something you had said, Daryl, about boasting and what you can't do. I've never thought about that before, but um, that uh, I know has rung true in my life a lot of times. And yet, I don't know if this will end up being encouraging or not, but <laughs> yet when I look back, I see so many things I've done that I thought I could never do. And yet here today, still find myself uh, wrestling with some, some of the same things and sometimes different things. Uh, feeling I can't do and so uh, it's a journey and um, you know I think we we probably all relate to that to some extent so good on you guys for uh, stepping out um, it's a great testimony to our church and um, you know just be faithful every day and that's really all you got to worry about thanks Brian yeah I think one of the challenges is is feeling like you have to have everything figured out before you go do something and I can assure you that's not the case with us. Um, that this is like a learn-as-you-go type apprenticeship. Um. Peter, and then we're going to pray for them. Okay. I just want to say that I know I don't know you guys very well, but I remember when we first started coming here just over two years ago that, Jody, you were one of the first people to come and just introduce yourself to us and say, hey, you know, I'm Jody. it's my family, just wanted to say hi and welcome, and you noticed that we were new, and you took that step, and I've just, just watching you guys as a family, um, your servant heart is just so obvious, and Jody, I mean, you've served my family again this year, just so selflessly, and um, given of your time, and your finances, and just the way that you guys have served this church is a really um, amazing example, and now taking this leap of faith and doing something that is just so huge and such a big change and I just want to say that I admire you and I respect you and I'll be praying for you. Thanks. Just wanted to share a couple of words of encouragement um, to you uh, that I found true and our family has found to be true over the last five or six years in our journey with uh, UTSS. Um, two things, and they seem like they're opposite, but they really go hand in hand. One is um, God has the power to open up doors in ways you never imagined. Um, the verse is used many times, but it's overused, I think, sometimes. The Lord opens doors that no man can shut. It's you know, almost become trite in mission circles. It's so often quoted, but I quote it nonetheless because it's true. So he will do things uh, in ways you can't expect. Um, and so God has power to make things happen and to resolve issues, which you guys have already discovered, uh, and it will get bigger and bigger. And so don't think anything is impossible. Things you never imagined possible, um, 
however many years God has you there, you will look back and say, I had no idea that would be. We've looked back. I had no idea, not a clue five years ago, where this would be and where we are today. I could not have imagined it. So God is able to give you beyond anything you could ask or think. Um, and the second part of that is you will have opposition in ways you never imagined. The enemy will focus on you. Make no mistake about it. You are doing battle against the powers of hell when you minister in his name, when you serve, when you love, when you give, um, when you bring justice, you will encounter evil. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you, because you will. We have, and we do. <laughs> Every time I go to Tanzania, things happen to our family um, that, are, that are behind here, to Debbie and Brady, challenges they face when I'm there. When we were there, Brady almost, got, almost became unconscious because of a flying tent pole, because of a hurricane that came out of nowhere. So opposition will come in a variety of forms for you, and it will be um, extreme, and, and you won't understand it. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to be honest. <laughs> when you serve God, uh, the enemy has got another plan for you. And so the only way to deal with both of those things is to surrender yourself completely and entirely every day to God. This is not your work. I have to say to God, this is not my work. This is yours. You have complete and entire ownership of it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And so, to the degree, it's easy to say and really hard to do. Uh, I'm not great at it, but to the extent that you can try to surrender yourself entirely to God every day, uh, you'll rejoice when the doors get opened, and you'll have some sense of stability and protection when evil comes. So, bless you in your work. Bless, bless your whole family. Thanks, Peter. One of the things that we do here at Jericho is when people uh, step out on mission that we tangibly uh, surround them and lay our hands on them and pray for them. So I'm going to ask you guys to come down to the center here. We're going to have to push chairs aside because lots of you, I'm assuming, will want to come and uh, lay hands on Daryl and Jody and Emily and Ben as they get ready to go. And we read in the book of Acts uh, in the early Christian movement that when the Holy Spirit uh, said, set aside uh, Saul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to, that people gathered around them, laid their hands on them, and prayed for them as they sent them out. So I want you guys to scooch, in, scooch up further here. Come here, guys. And then people are going to kind of gather all <laughs> along the front here. And uh, if you um, want to come and stand with them, you can also just stretch out your hand from where you are. <coughs> as a way of just demonstrating tangibly that you guys know, Ben, Emily, Daryl, and Jody, that we stand with you as the people of God and as your community here uh, on mission together. So I'm going to pass the mic to Danny. Danny, can you pray for them? Father God, I thank you so much for my friends. I'm going to miss them so much. I'm just thankful that in the short time that they're gone, we have years to celebrate together in heaven with all those people that they're going to impact while they're there. Just thank you for working in advance, years and years and years in advance of them, and that they've been faithful all those times, all those small choices to lead them up to this moment. I just ask for your peace to fall upon them, that they wouldn't have fear but realize that you are there with them and your love will cast out the fear in, in their lives. I just ask that they would see you so clearly as they step off that plane 
and they start to engage in what life looks like down there. That they're more than just missionaries, that they're living incarnationally, just how you came down and lived among us. That you're going, they're going down there to live among the people. Not as the white saviors, but, the, but as just people that are going to live their lives alongside them. So let them know that they are loved, dearly loved here at home, and that love extends out to there, and that they won't, won't ever be alone because you're with them, but they also are just a phone call away from a bunch of people that can help fight those battles for them. Thank you for caring for them and for even using death and heartache as a part of growth and challenge and change. I just ask that their story would do miracles in the world that they're about to go into. Yeah. Thanks for choosing them. Thank you for working in their hearts, and thank you for sending them. Amen. Well, as you uh, take your seats, I'm going to ask Ron and the team uh, to come and lead us in a song of response. And I don't want you to miss what Daryl was sharing with us earlier, because it's very easy in a context like this morning to think, that's great for them. That's going to be hard for them. Wow, God's asked them to do something. But what Daryl was reminding us of and what the book of James reminds us of and calls us to is just taking that step of faith that God has called you to. And the first place that starts is in a posture of surrender and just saying, God, I would be willing for you to speak to me about my life. I would be willing to lay everything on the table for you and to be willing to do what you call me to do to go where you call me to go. So we're going to move into uh, just sing one song of response. And Curtis and I will be over here at the side for prayer. If you feel like God is stirring something in you and you want us to stand with you in prayer, Gary and Betty Stevenson will be over at the far side and would love to pray with you. And so I just invite you to respond in song and let God speak to you about what it is, that step that he's calling you to take as we partner together on this journey.